y'all just a quick little PSA disclaimer before you start the actual episode. I've already recorded this four times, so I just refuse to do it again. So I am sorry for all the smacking in the in the episode. I don't know why it was sounding like I was eating a bag of chips, but yeah, I hope you still enjoy. Thanks for listening. And welcome back to Healing Through Words. This is episode number six. And we're going to finally talk about the different trauma responses or our different stress responses. So the first thing would be, um, hopefully this can give you a good visual, but I want you to hold your hand up and make a fist with the thumb being underneath your four fingers. So this is going to represent your brain. Um, The top part, so those four fingers, are your prefrontal cortex. So that's the front part of your brain. Um, And then your thumb represents your amygdala, which is a part of your limbic system. And that is the part of the brain in the back of your head. Kind of like, I guess, like where you can say that little dip in your head meets, you know, like your neck area. Um, So having those fingers crossed um, over that thumb, basically... What happens when we are triggered or when we are like in an anxiety or stress induced situation would be um, kind of like popping those four fingers up and exposing our thumb. So exposing the amygdala. So we kind of go out of our prefrontal cortex and go straight to where our stress or anxiety induced response system lies in that amygdala. Um so to kind of explain what those two things are, so our prefrontal cortex is our rational thought process. So you use that pretty much all day long um, when you're doing any type of regular activity. So if you're driving and you ever, I it's kind of like space out, it's because like your brain just already knows what it's doing. But our amygdala, where we typically have like our trauma responses, our anxiety, stress-induced responses, that's not something that we are actively using all of the time. Now, there is a difference, right? When we think about the concept of like people being raised off of love um, versus survival. That's going to be a little bit different because people raised off of having to be in survival mode do typically um, function based in their amygdala more often than their prefrontal cortex. Um. But if you're looking at what that does or what that means, hopefully you can kind of understand or look at it as though that this is a normal function. So a lot of the times I think people get confused because we think that our reaction um, when we are in a high anxiety situation isn't right when really it's not something that we have a lot of control over because we're not necessarily thinking rationally. So when you're doing like the whole thought processing thing um, and making decisions, that's using your prefrontal cortex. When you are just like being impulsive and immediately reacting, that is going to be coming from the amygdala, which is, we can just say, our irrational part of our brain. Now, what is in our amygdala, or I guess I can kind of like give you the definition of what the amygdala is. And so basically what just Google says, 
um, is that it is our neural system that processes our fearful or threatening uh, stimuli. And so it detects like if something is a threat. And then it decides what that reaction is going to be. And so over the years, I've seen a couple different things. When I first learned about the three F's, I learned about fight, flight, or freeze mode. Now I guess there are four F's. And I actually really like the addition of the fourth. And so I do want to go into further detail about um, specifically the fourth F and also kind of like what the like what that looks like and why those are important. So a regular, I guess, like example I can give is say you are scared of spiders. Now, when you see a spider and you immediately like, you know, kind of get that like gut wrenching feeling like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Um, That is when we typically start thinking with our amygdala, because you're going to fall into one of those four categories. So fight, flight, freeze, or the new addition that I've seen for the fourth one is fawn. Um, Most of the time, people may jump into fight mode. So you jump up and you kill the spider. Um, Freeze mode, you kind of like are petrified, you're stuck there, you don't want to move. Because you also don't want to take your eyes off of it, because you don't want to not know where it is. Um, the other two typically wouldn't apply for this type of situation. Um, so I'll, or I should say fawning wouldn't apply for this situation. You could flee, like you could just run away. Um, but again, then that might create more anxiety because then you don't know where the spider is. So it just kind of depends on where you would operate in the realm of that. Fawning would typically only occur in people that have experienced um, trauma kind of starting in their childhood. Um, And so an example I can give of that, and I see it a lot of time on social media, which makes me very sad, but when you see kids being, um, I don't even want to call it disciplined, when you see children being embarrassed, like their parents go to, a very extreme to attempt to discipline them, but really they are embarrassing them on the internet. And then they'll like make a video or post at the end of the video and ask the kid, do they feel embarrassed? Do they feel that they are being abused? And the kid in the video is like, no. That is an example of fawning. And so what fawning is is a fear response where the brain, like your brain is telling you to please whoever is like triggering that fear response. And that's to prevent from getting in more trouble. So if we use that example, right? Like a kid who just was physically, you know, abused in some type of way, or, you know, just extremely embarrassed, which usually does have some type of physical element to it are being asked, do you feel that I did something to hurt you? And the expectation is that the kid is then telling the truth. Like, no, I do not feel like you abused me. You see how that that part does not make sense. Um, To further explain, so fawning says, 
This response is common in survivors of trauma who might try to avoid abuse by keeping the abuser as happy as possible. So if we think about the concept in this particular situation that someone is trying to appease the other person by not wanting them to further get upset and irate and then enact some type of further abuse, then they are going to say whatever they think is not going to cause a reaction from that person. Hopefully you followed along with that. Now, if we go back and look at our little makeshift brain with our hand, when we are functioning in day-to-day activities and day-to-day life, um, and we're being able to do that as healthy individuals who are in control of our emotions and our feelings, um, most of the time we're going to be operating in that prefrontal cortex. Now, anything can be anxiety-inducing to somebody. Um, And a little bit of anxiety, honestly, is not a bad thing. It's when it becomes debilitating that it becomes a bad thing. By debilitating, I mean you may experience something like a panic attack, which I talked about in my prior episode. Um, Or you may fall into, you know, one of the categories of the four Fs. It just kind of depends on what your response will be. But again, it's kind of situational. Now, when we look at ways to combat that or to work with pulling ourselves out of thinking with our amygdala, so kind of being in that irrational thought mode, that is where I talked about a technique in the prior video, like a grounding technique where you're focusing on activating your senses because your brain can't think about two things at once. Um, so when people say that like, oh, well, like I can multitask, most of the time the attention that you are giving one thing is always going to end up being more than what you're able to give both. So you can't equally divide your attention to two things. Um, so if your brain is trying to focus on the things around you and you're trying to activate those senses and in some type of way, so thinking about, you know, taste, smell, touch, and what, you know, like whatever else you can activate in that moment, it is really going to help bring you back into the rational part of your brain because you're doing something that is that is true. So it is physically happening right now that you can focus on. Um, depending on the situation, though, is going to depend on what type of technique that you would need to use. And that depends on if you're actually in a dangerous situation, right? Um, so if you are experiencing some type of physically dangerous situation, then you would want your reaction or your amygdala to kind of take over so you can go into survival mode. Um, If it is something, you know, along the lines of like how I talked about in the, you know, the beginning example where it's like a spider or something like that, where it's not something that's like actually physically dangerous, then you would want to kind of bring yourself back to being rational a little bit quicker. So this is going to be something that hopefully can help you as you're, you know, trying to navigate this process of learning where trauma is housed in your body, what that looks like for you, what your triggers are, how you react to your triggers, um, and understanding that anxiety happens in everyone, um, 
and that it's not something that should make you feel like less than or abnormal. Um, We all have it. And that's really just what we call survival mode. Um, The only difference is, is again, like for some of us, it is a debilitating experience. While for others, it is something that is easily navigatable. Um, So hopefully that little like tutorial was helpful. I definitely will be talking about a lot of triggering things um, within my next couple of episodes. This being Sexual Assault Awareness Month, um, I'm going to be digging into that topic. So that's just kind of like a disclaimer, pre-warning for people who are, you know, don't know if they're going to be triggered by that and may have some type of response. Hopefully this is going to be helpful for you for you to understand um, what part of your brain is being activated and why and how to kind of start to think about ways that are going to be helpful for you to bring yourself back to thinking rationally. Um, using the hand method, that's something that my old supervisor taught me. It has been like a godsend. I've taught kids that way and it really helps them understand that, you know, it's their brain doing something and not them because a lot of the times kids are used to being labeled. And so then we grow up with these labels, right? So we grow up with the idea that we are good or bad when really these are just like reactions and things that are happening within us that they don't always understand, And so we have to be the ones to help them understand that. So hopefully this was enlightening for you. And then you can go ahead and teach it to somebody else. Um, But I look forward to talking more about, you know, these upcoming topics. And don't forget to get your tickets for the Peoria Slut Walk on May 12th, which will be the dinner and dialogue. And then May 13th will be a free event and we'll be doing a rally and walk. So I hope to see you there.